The end to load shedding seems nowhere near, but what does this mean for employers? This is stuff employers should know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to today's episode. Unfortunately, I am feeling quite lonely in the studio today, and uh, due to load shedding, we couldn't uh, get our calendars to align, and uh, we're going to have to do a remote recording. But of course, as always, the show must go on, and I'm joined by Barry Gordon-Davis and Audrey Lowe, who will be taking us through a very, very interesting topic, hopefully not in the dark. Who's phoning me, Yas? <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Yas. Yas is in the studio. We're all actually in three separate places, so this is the first time that we're doing a three-way remote recording. Um, so yes, we purposely left Yas in the studio on his own. Um, and that's the irony of it. Um, we're joined by Audrey. And when I say joined, we all joined remotely. So, hey, Audrey, how's it going? Good news off, Barry. Sitting in the dark as we speak. Yes. Now, isn't that amazing that um, Yas was quite correct when you were saying that we were all sitting uh, um, and trying to align diaries because um, of load shedding. Um, we had to move this recording out, busy taking into account load shedding schedules. We had to then, uh, um, you know, struggle with recording due to technicalities and things being charged and the likes. Um, so, yeah, what a what a, um, a appropriate way to introduce a no, new way of doing things. This is going to be something that we're going to do. Um, I'd say we're going to try and do once a month. Have a check in with Audrey, and we want to discuss all things IR, obviously. And um, Audrey is our guru on all things up-and-coming, topical, news-related, case-related, and the like. So we're going to check in with her once a month and really just see what's happening in the world of IR. And that's why I say, ironically, what we've got lined up for today is discussing a, a the ongoing topic of load shedding. So, um, yeah, Audrey, um, load shedding. Nothing new, 15 years, we've been having it. But uh, yeah, what have we seen our difficulties coming out of this at the moment? Well, Barry, like, like you said, the irony here of aligning diaries, I actually had time set out for us to, to have this session. And as is, is normal for my area, the load shedding is taking more than half an hour to actually switch back on beyond the schedule. And that's part of the problem that we're having. So um, ESCOM recently declared that we're, we're looking at load shedding for at least the next two years. So ongoing, continuous load shedding of between stages two and three, I think that's if we're considerably lucky, considering lately it's been more along the lines of stages four to six. Of course, because of all the sabotage happening, all of the employee incompetence and negligence that's been going on, the infrastructure that's already been damaged, and the fact that when load shedding is happening, of course, it's easier to to thieve all the cables that are supposed to to run the power to us. So it's it's definitely something that's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. It's not something that they'll be able to to fix for us in a hurry. So it's one of those learn to live with it type of scenarios. Yeah, we used to have, uh, you watch the news and it would say how many days in lockdown we've been in, you know, remember back in the pandemic days, it used to say day whatever of lockdown, they've now switched the news agencies to, to how many days of blackouts, rolling blackouts, the, 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 the plague of load shedding and the lights. Uh, like, what are those stats looking like as of, you know, today? 
So Barry, I think most of us are familiar with the lovely little app called Eskom's Push at this point. And they've actually recently released some some data to inform us on on how things have been going in terms of, of how much load shedding we've been experiencing. And for the year of 2022, by the 21st of November, we were looking at a cumulative 2,881 hours of load shedding altogether, which is about 120 days in all. That's about four months of load shedding for the year. And um, that's that's about uh, triple what we were looking at in 2021, which amounted to about 48 days in total. So, so obviously, as a result thereof, we we are now sitting with a situation where it's now common occurrence in the workplace. Um, but you know, when the guys were writing the Labor Relations Act, they didn't really go and think of all these things, specifically the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, uh, all these main agreements. We know that I foresee, and maybe that's something we're going to talk about in future, where the unions as part of their collective um, bargaining processes and entering into main agreements will probably go and draw up what to do when there's load shedding. I can, I can imagine it should be sitting on the negotiating table. But, um, you know, what, what are the challenges that employers in particular are having to deal with with regards to the, the, the scourge of load shedding? Well, I think absolutely we're going to have to look at making provisions for load shedding in contracts of employment and in terms of, of collective agreements with the unions. Um, one of the main issues we have, obviously, is the fact that there's no consistent power being being provided to employers, which makes it incredibly difficult to try and arrange shifts for employees to work. So we can't unilaterally go and change our shift system to only work around load shedding. We do need employees' consent to be able to work around the, the shift systems to change the working hours. And if we are changing working hours to try and coincide with when the power is actually on, we have to also take cognizance of things like um, overtime being worked, weekends or Sundays needing to be worked to, to catch up with, with work that needs to get done. Um, you'd have to look at the rest periods in between shifts that we have to comply with for employees. Those are all things that we would, that we'd, we would have to consider and work around. And on top of all of that, if we end up um, sending employees home due to being unable to work because of load shedding or a power outage or something of the like, the Basic Conditions of Employment Act requires that we pay an employee at least for four hours of work, even though they haven't done any work for that day at all. If you've pitched for work, I have to pay you. That's not something that we can get around. Yeah, that's that duty of employers to provide service. You know, it's not, not for the employees to ensure that there is work for them to do. It's the employer's obligation to provide them with work. So we can't rely on the fact of, oh, well, sorry, there's nothing we can do as a result of load shedding. There's still that contractual obligation for them to expect remuneration. Um, exactly. And as you say, to that, legis to that legislated point now. Um, so uh, what, what is your advice then? When a, let's say it does happen, we go into stage six load shedding, four and a half hour um, load shedding times and the like. And let's say, you know, as we see the, the schedule shifts, it can shift by the hour even. Um, so it shifts, we get to work, everybody's working the next minute, lights are out. Um, what, what's your advice to employers in that situation? So this is something that we're going to have to create an agreement with our employees about and 
if you look at, at some of the industries have taken things like this into account, specifically if you look at the, the MEIBC, for example, in Section 6 of their main agreement, they make provision for short time in cases where there are, are circumstances beyond the control of the employer, including power failures. And what those kinds of arrangements would then go towards is allowing the employer to provide the employee with less hours of work in a particular day without having to then remunerate them them for that time that is not worked. Um, arrangements can go towards looking at what the schedule says for a particular day and arranging your shifts to coincide with when the lights are on. You, you have time off when the lights are off. You don't get paid for that time specifically. Um, if you, if you work in things like compressed work weeks and the like, I then don't necessarily have to pay you overtime if you end up needing to work beyond your, your normal working hours to catch up the time that was lost during load shedding. So we're essentially going to have to get employees to agree to more flexible working arrangements so that we can keep the business running so that we can keep making a profit and keep the business alive. If they're not willing to agree to those kinds of arrangements, essentially companies are going to be forced to to look at retrenchment um, to get people in who are willing to work according to more flexible arrangements so that we can still get the work done. Because at the end of the day, if we if we don't adapt to the situation, we we're going to end up cutting jobs or cutting work time. That's the reality. Yeah, of it. and the and and the emphasis as to why you say retrenchments is that that's the, it's not retrenching as a result of the you know the, the the loss of revenue. It's the retrenchments as a result of the need for new working circumstances. And as you said, you can't change that unilaterally, which means. That's why we talk about the traditional retrenchment process, even in adapting work conditions or terms and conditions of employment and the like. Um, now, uh, and that was what I was going to say. If the guys just fold their arms and they say, sorry, well, we're here to work. We're not going to adhere to that. That would then be the natural resort. But on the face value of it, there's no such thing as, as, as chasing somebody home without pay, like what we said. Exactly. So, um, so, so, now, as well, with regards to um, looking at um, the, the, the forward way of thinking of this and forward with, with regards to the, the um, possibility and the likelihood of this going forever, um, we must also be cognizant that we can't go and expect uh, work to be done on a day that would not ordinarily be worked as well, because that would then require another agreement. What I'm saying is, is that I work... Monday to Friday, never work on a weekend. But now as a result of load shedding, my employer locks the doors on a Thursday and says, come make it up on a Saturday or, or Friday and make it up on a Sunday. Uh, that again, can't be done unilaterally, I'm correct. Yes. So those are, those are all agreements that we would have to um, go into. And it's, it's going to require us to be relatively dynamic in terms of how quickly we react to changes in the levels of load shedding that we're facing and the schedules that change on a regular basis. So what our outlook might be at the beginning of the week is going to change rapidly from day to day. So it, it might be necessary um, for us to agree to have schedules changed, you know, in, in relatively short notice. 
What a what an interesting world that we're living in, especially in the world of work. If you consider the fact that we were busy dealing with these types of dynamics when people weren't able to get to work during the pandemic, and now when people are all willing to get to work, there's nothing for them to do at work because of load shedding. What a what an interesting place that we live in. But um, I think that we can uh, leave it there uh, uh, for this week or month with uh, Audrey, and we look forward to this being a continued segment where we will talk about hot topics and the like and case law and anything interesting in the. Uh, that comes up in the world of um, labor law that we, we we require everybody to know or that employers should know, am I correct? So thank you, Audrey, um, and thank you for your time today um, remotely. Thank you and for having me. Yes, and we're going to, obviously, because of us being in all different places at the, the, the right times, wrong times, depending on um, load shedding, uh, they're most likely going to be remote. So these ones will might not necessarily have the same sound quality that we have usually when myself and Yas sitting in studio. Um, but uh, yeah, having a bit of um, cups and mugs clinkling in the background, maybe a generator or an inverter going off in the background, some birds and stuff, um, will be worth it at least getting that information out of us. Absolutely. Thanks, Adapt Audrey. or die. That's it. So if you want to get in touch, suggest topics, or even just say hi, if you can fire off an email, which means that you must have power, send it to sesk at labornet.com or find us on all the major social media platforms. And also please subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use and make sure that you don't miss an episode and stay everything in the know of all things labor law. So from me, BGD, and Yas, and Audrey, till the next episode, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.